What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We're going to spend the hour talking about the current crisis in Haiti, spending plenty of time talking about specifically the impact on girls and women of the rampant sexual violence, the growing spread of the cholera outbreak, as well as breaking apart the argument that UN-US intervention is the answer. We're joined this morning by Mamira Prosper, professor of global and international studies at University of California, Irvine. She specializes in research on social movements in the Caribbean and Latin America, particularly black and Haitian social movements. She's also the international coordinator for the Pan-African Solidarity Network with community movement builders in the United States. Good morning, Mamira. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you uh, back on the KPFA airwaves and on the new show. We're also joined this morning by France Jerome, a longtime Haitian human rights activist living in Florida. Good morning, France. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. And we are still trying to reach Valina Elise Chalier, who's a feminist and political activist. She's in Haiti right now, and the engineer is getting the response on the phone line that all circuits are busy, but we will continue trying to reach her uh, through the hour. Um, I, I was going to start asking uh, Valina actually about, you know, her, her experience on the ground, but um, since we don't have her, Mamira, France, I'll start, Mamira, with you. What are you hearing from friends and, and family in, in Haiti? Well, the, uh, Sorry, go ahead, France. Please start. Well, I thought you had said France. Um, there is a general resistance to uh, intervention, foreign intervention, uh, meaning uh, what Haitians call the foreign intervention, it's troops on the ground. Uh, they think that the problems uh, that Haiti is facing require a, a different type of response. And uh, a, there are different levels of problems. There's a political problem, there's an economic problem, there's, like you said, an, a cholera epidemic uh, being forecast. Uh, but uh, soldiers, uh, more guns is not what the country needs. Mamira, what are you hearing? Generally, uh, I've shifted to certainly center the demand of no occupation, um, but still are holding tight to their previous demand that uh, Yelani, who's de facto prime minister, nobody chose, um, needs to step down along with his cabinet of ministers who support, you know, the different decrees and, and laws that uh, Yelani has been put in place to push. And, and that essentially are um, facilitating land grabs and other things that benefit the international. So folks' demands have shifted to, to highlight their opposition to the occupation, um, but the other demands are still there, and especially the one about right, overthrowing the system of deep inequality and really apartheid. And these are struggles that have marked Haitian social movement all of the 21st century. Um, and so... That's something I think it's important to highlight, that that is the ultimate demand, that folks are keeping activities shut down and are continuing with protests because they're saying we need to end this system of inequality and apartheid in Haiti. I'm actually glad that you, you talked about the protests because I wanted to segue to that, right? Like Western media is 
portraying this image of, of, of helpless Haitians who need uh, the United States to come in and take care of them, but there are thousands of folks that are in the streets. There's an active rebellion of the people happening on the streets in Haiti right now, correct? Absolutely. I think, you know, perhaps for those of us in the States, we may not understand fully what the pay look is. And, you know, just briefly, I think, you know, we can understand it as a general strike, right, as a way for folks to say we are preventing any activities from taking place from, you know, business as usual, the status quo, because we can't survive it, right? We're not living well. We're not able to access basic services. We don't have right, appropriate housing. And folks are saying, no more, right? We have to stop this way that's just sort of, you know, persisting. And it's a manufactured genocide, really, against the Haitian people. And they're saying, we don't, we can't have that. So they're shutting things down. Or they have shut things down now going on two months. And it includes a combination of this general strike where there's no activity, no one in the streets, and there's barricades preventing any kind of um, circulation. And then you have also um, peppered within this look continual demonstrations, right? What maybe we're more used to seeing a whole bunch of people together, you know, singing um, uh, and repeating different slogans, taking over almost every major city and even some small towns throughout the country. And we're talking about eight weeks, right? So this is very um, serious and it's certainly very exciting as well for the potential that may arise out of this um, mass movement. Amir, I'm going to get to you, Franz, in a minute. Amir, let, I, I, let's talk a bit about the potential because, right, we, we, we had the assassination of uh, Jovenel Moise and the person that should have appointed the successor had died of COVID three weeks before that. So to your point, uh, Ariel Henry has, has not ever been elected. Parliament is, is in a mess. Um, we're going to talk about the gangs in a moment, but there's concern that, that should the demand be met that Ariel Henry's uh, administration step down, that the gangs will step in um, to, to take over that. And that, of course, would be disastrous for, for Haiti. What, what is the potential? Like, should the people's rebellion work, right? Should, should the, the, mm -hmm. the, Haitians, mm -hmm. the Haitian people win their demands? What is the pathway forward to stabilizing the Haitian government? And then, friends, you can, after Mamira answers, you're free to jump in and answer right. that question as well. I mean, I, this, this is a very um, interesting question to pose because I think, you know, we in the United States have a particular way that we understand democracy um, and sort of boil down in like, <laughs> some of us right, as electoral <laughs> politics, right? Yeah, um, but the Haitians have clearly expressed and, you know, in ways that they do not show up at certain elections because they're rigged, right? They're pre-chosen. This is why this party's in power. It was really a rigged election for them to be able to, to have taken over the country as they have. So folks do not trust that kind of process. And we're seeing a clear demonstration of their democratic expression via these protests. Now, <clears throat> What's happening during the Pei Lok is even though things are shut down, people are meeting in their neighborhoods and talking about uh, the problems and the solutions. And there are several different, you know, organizations in these different neighborhoods who are leading these kinds of conversations, certainly. I don't know that there's like a perfect template that is um, laid out. I mean, you know, we can, I'm sure that if Lina was on the call, she might talk about a particular effort. But I think that um, there are several different smaller popular efforts 
that are happening peppered throughout the country that could, if we were allowed to really um, fully um, not have the gangs, right, preventing circulation, not have the gangs preventing conversation, not have an impending occupation, for folks to really draw out this process into a full um, and much fuller um, proposal or plan, right? So I don't have, I don't have a personally cookie cutter, right? This is the the road that Haitians are have articulated clearly in a way that reflects popular positioning as opposed to some other efforts that may reflect perhaps more middle-class sensibilities. And, you know, I'd love to hear what France has to say about that. Um, but I think this is why we in the national need to keep by putting pressure for no boots on the ground and certainly for them to stop throwing guns at the gangs to allow people the room to fully be able to flesh out, right, their vision for the next step. And it's not necessarily... An election either, right? Right. Franz, well, you want to uh, uh, jump in there? Uh, yes. Uh, one thing that I'm going to point out right away is that uh, it, the crisis that Haiti is facing is not your normal crisis, uh, a political crisis. It's a situation where, uh, as uh, he, he, uh, my counterpart just uh, expressed uh, a few minutes ago, a government was imposed on the Haitian people. That government was a neo-Duvalierist government. That means that they agreed and practiced the same techniques as the Duvalier dictatorship. They systematically transformed the Haitian economy and monopolized all the resources in the hands of the few that we still continue to call elite when they are oligarchs that have monopolized everything, all resources, and are uh, in, inflicting real pain on the Haitian people. The Haitian people are not only taking to the street because they are expressing their political views. They are also taking to the streets because they have been traumatized by hideous acts of violence that have been perpetrated against them. You have gangs that have been terrorizing through uh, um, techniques that uh, I know you know very well because they are they have been dealt with in American literature. Uh, these gangs have raised uh, um, rape to the level of destruction that is much more than a mere physical act. It's a mental. Uh, uh, the, the mental impact of rapes is something tremendous. And it's generalized uh, uh, techniques that used by all the gangs. Now, you have a situation that was created, cultivated by people who wanted to terrorize the population. Now the population has have locked down the country because they said in this state of affairs, they cannot function. And you have uh, now those diplomats that were supposed to behave like diplomats in the past, but where you were behaving like agents that fomented this whole uh, uh, um, conspiracy on Haitian people where land grabbing all these other things that my counterpart just addressed is taking place. 
so that they can dispose of the population through kidnappings by asking them to sell their land so that they can uh, 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 pay for ransoms, etc., etc. And then you have people pretending that Haitians' political, uh, uh, political parties have just to learn to sit to, around a table and talk. That is nonsense. Haitians were very clear what they wanted. They wanted the traffic of guns and ammunition to stop. It can be stopped. In the case of the police, it has been stopped by the international community. Yet the gangs get their guns, and we know how they come in. They have never once tried to stop this flow of guns because they were aimed at the head of poor Haitians. Now that uh, the situation has uh, reached a point where uh, the middle class is being threatened, now a solution is being offered. But to pay lock, the situation where Haitians are closing the country is because they are saying, this government that you have imposed on us is not able to protect us, is not able to do anything for us. We don't want Mr. Henry. We want to get rid of him and try a group of Haitians that will manage the country in a way that human beings can live normal lives. I think that's what it's all about. It's a new Duvalierist regime that the international community want to perpetuate in Haiti, so they want to rush into elections and they pretend that it's just a political issue. It is not a political issue. It's total domination by a new Duvalierist regime. I don't think that they would have asked the Jews to sit down with Hitler and negotiate uh, to show goodwill, etc., etc. I think that they would have uh, faced the issue and, and the, the real perpetrators of, uh, of pain and, and, and destruction in Haiti and uh, uh, remove their support for such a regime a long time ago. Thank you, Franz. Uh, Mamera, I, I, I do want to spend some time talking about the rampant sexual terror that girls as young as 10 and elderly women and uh, all, all women in between are experiencing right now. There's the immediate impact, right, of the, of the terror of that and, and what that does in terms of uh, having a chilling effect, right? It's intended to interrupt um, resistance. But we also know that, that when this happens uh, during states of crisis, that it has long-term impacts, generational impacts uh, that, that can destabilize uh, entire countries. And I, I wonder if you could talk about, A, um, what, what is happening to, to women and girls in Haiti and concerns about the long-term impact of this particularly brutal tactic by the gangs. And, and, I, and, 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 and if I'm not... Uh, if I'm correct, police and military forces as well. Right. So, you know, first I, I wanted to say, I think France did a great job, right, keeping us on the, and what, you know, sometimes we're, we're missing, right, when we see the headlines about Haiti and chaos and how the chaos is manufactured and the why, right? I think pointing out that Teastica, the Portia Vicente Cali, 
is in fact neo-divided is really important, right? Because we're talking, much like we're seeing in other countries like the Philippines, for example, that the sons and daughters, you know, sometimes directly sons and daughters of people who had been in power 30 years before during the Cold War, during which they were able to right, label dissenters as communists and receive support from the West to eliminate people, imprison them um, without, right, any kind of due process. We are, we, these are certainly the children of those folks who regained power. And they pushed at the beginning four axes of development, which are exactly the four axes that the Juvaliers were pointing, pushing for. But um, Francois Juvalier says in 1969, we're going to make Haiti the Taiwan of the Caribbean, pointing to industrial parks, right, as a new horizon of subcultural development in Haiti. And so many of the popular neighborhoods, quote-unquote, the ghettos around the city have essentially been built, um, and especially a place like Cité Soleil was actually built by the Juvalier to supposedly, right, welcome people. They weren't, they weren't really thinking about housing to support the industrial parks, right? They wanted to create miserable conditions and remove people from their lands because those lands were viewed as, especially the north of Haiti, where it's extremely agricultural land where we could actually make food to feed ourselves, right, was targeted for other projects, agribusiness, mining. That was already a plan in the 70s, right? And it got interrupted by the gains of the revolution of 1986, right, that kicks out the Juvalier. And then you have right, what Aristide brings, which is a totally new vision of the human in Haiti, and that's threatening, right? So the 21st century became a moment to go back to that agenda. And even though, right, the progressive parties were not fully able to stop neoliberalism from being implemented in Haiti, they definitely slowed it down, right? And they were an impediment towards this vision for Haiti as a neo-colony. And I think this is important because people say, well, who cares about, what does the U.S. does the U.S. care about Haiti, right? As if there's nothing there. And in fact, I keep insisting that there's savage capitalism and unbridled capitalism, foreign investment that is directed at this exactly, these four axes of development. And you can see that the rise of the gangs really showing up in 2018 in the ways that they have, right? We, there were gangs before, certainly. Um, but in the ways that we've seen um, them gain such great power, you see it in 2018, and it's after some major mobilizations, particularly around the question of where is Kito the Pito Caribe money that PHTK version one had squandered. And there was an attack directly on La Saline community, 71 people murdered, butchered, and collective raped. And so you see that directly in correlation with people gaining more ground um, in terms of the protests, right, and amassing more numbers showing up that the gangs were deployed, right, to censor people and to, prov- and to also create confusion, right? Because when you're in the U.S. and you see the headlines chaos, and then they put the protests in the same conversation as the gangs to talk about the chaos, it's to confuse you and, de- and delegitimize, right, the actual people's movement. And so the gangs are serving multiple functions, and one of them is certainly, as Fun said, terror, and to terrorize specific neighborhoods, right? Because even though some gang leaders on social media are making declarations about being revolutionaries, and you know they're not attacking the oligarchy's um, stuff, right? 
the 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 car dealership that's selling the eighty thousand dollar Porsche Cayenne in the country where people right barely have anything to eat, right? Those centers of power of clear right signs of capitalism are not being attacked by the huge supermarkets that double up as consulates, right? They're, those sites are not being attacked. And, you know, so it's interesting how the gangs keep talking about being revolutionaries and it's, it's to cause confusion, right? And it's to drown out the narrative, the popular narrative for um, self-determination and sovereignty and, and create confusion, even in the minds of Haitians who are on the ground themselves. And one of the tactics that they use of terror is certainly straight up massacres, right? But also rape. And what does rape do? It's not simply an act of violence and terror against the person who's being raped, especially when you have the case of collective rapes, right? But it's also sending a signal to the family and the community, right? To say, these are the kinds of things that will happen to you if you continue to take the streets, if you continue to cause quote unquote problems, right? Which is to which is to demand the right for you to live as a full person, which are gains from the Haitian Revolution, right? When they say everyone's a person, right? That everyone should be able to enjoy the fruits of the revolution, right? Which in this case is access to land and decisions about how land relations come to, to form. So the gangs really are playing this role of terrorizing um, women, not because they're some separate group, right, but because they are part of the folks who are coming on the streets and making these demands, right? And because the, by raping one woman, by raping several women in a particular community, you're sending a message across the board about what will happen to people if they show up. And to be honest, that has not stopped people, right? We see it. People are like, yeah, we know these are some of the consequences, right? We're being kidnapped, massacred, and with all, in most kidnappings and massacres, there's rape. And I'm sure there's underreporting of young men and, and, and older men being raped also. I'm, I'm sure of it. Even if, you know, that's not necessarily been central to the, the, the way that people are, are getting the information. Uh, you know, so the rape is really this tool of domination. We saw it being used also by the UN troops that came in in 2004, right? Massacres, rapes, not necessarily kidnappings, right? But these are the tools that have, and, and this is why for, for Haitian people, the experience of the gangs isn't one of some liberatory army, but rather as a tool of the oligarch, as a tool of the imperialist to keep Haitians silent in their death, right? That we're going to grab your land. We're going to kill some of you, right? Because we need the land on which you live. We need you to work, you know, in our, in our, in our factories. But, you know, you don't need millions of people. So there is, I believe, and it's clear if you look at it, some months ago, 434 people were massacred in Cite Soleil, right? Uh, over the years, you hear hundreds here, hundreds in Quadebuque, hundreds in Matissan. This is a project of genocide, of eliminating Haitian people. And as you're pointing out, Kat, there's also the mental, right, the psychological warfare that also leads to people's eventual death, right, is to rape them. Is to, so these are, these are tools to terrorize people into being silent, into dying, right, in silence. And that's something that we have to continue to to point out and this is why Haitians are talking about stop sending guns right to Haiti and to go back to what France is going to say and, and I want to give them some room to speak some more right that the oligarchs same folks 
again, also descendants of the same folks who benefited from the Duvalier regime, same folks who were present at the 2004 moment when I used to um, experience the second coup d'etat, are the same folks today that, you know, the international community, quote, is meeting with to ask them, right, what they want for Haiti, because ultimately it is about the fact that these oligarchs who are holding U.S. passports, French passports, Canadian passports, right? So it's a joke that the sanctions are, we're going to revoke their visas. Whose visas are you revoking when actually the people, actually the people who control the country economically and even politically, right? Their wives and children are living in other countries and going to school. Like they're not going to be affected by a visa withdrawal, right? So that's, it's already quite a show, you know, of of, the, of these declarations. And these oligarchs who hold passports from other countries, right, have a plan for Haiti, which is, right, the four axes of development. And they needed this party to push that kind of a vision. And these folks essentially, right, are just managing the scramble for Haiti, right? They're ensuring that they're able to um, put down on the ground whatever visions of the quote-unquote development they want that is going to enrich their pockets. They have people lobbying for them in Congress. There are these important laws that were passed in early 20th century when the MINUSTA, the UN Stabilization, quote-unquote, mission in Haiti came. And it was to favor, for example, the importation of um, clothes being made in Haiti and Haitian factories towards the sale, you know, and Gap and H&M and Zara, these types of stores. And on both sides, right, of the Caribbean Sea, in the U.S. and in Haiti, you had folks pushing for this law. So these oligarchs, much like, you know, the, the ruling class here in the United States, has complete control over, right, the state as an instrument of their enrichment. And these oligarchs control the ports, right? The, the Haitian government has essentially, in a variety of different um, legal contracts with certain elite families, given the right of control to these families. Some of them are outright private courts. And so when we ask the question, where are these guns coming from? It's not like, you know, Haitians went and planted some guns and now they harvested it in 2018. <laughs> this stuff doesn't grow out of the ground, right? right. It doesn't grow out right. of the ground. We can't even, quote unquote, produce to, to feed ourselves. But yet people who are, um, you know, I don't know, making $2 a day or not making anything at all, somehow are able to afford military-grade guns that the police itself of a country doesn't have access to? What is that, right? So we know that, right, whoever's controlling the, the Dominican um, and Haitian border, controlling the parts throughout the country, certainly are involved in the trading of these arms, right? So we can't simply point to, right, some kind of failed political class, which is, yes, part of the problem, or point to imperialism as another source of the problem. That's true. But to leave the oligarchs with sort of what pins the two things together out of the analysis and picture, right, is to really not do justice to what's happening in Haiti. And I know that once you start touching the bourgeois class, right, the capitalists, you know, that, that ruffles everyone's feathers, right? So they get, they get dropped out of the analysis. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm happy that Franz brought them up, and I wanted to take a little bit of time to, to come back to them and, and how they are essentially the employers of these gangs, right? That there is very much a, a connection between these folks who can afford, 
and to facilitate right the trade of guns and other things via the port that they control and also the fact that they they have been central to wanting to weaken the state and centralize power around the figure of just a president or in this case a prime minister because even though parliament was sometimes full of people who themselves have selfish motivations it was a kind of check right to the executive even if it's because they wanted their own right special contract but they they proved to be right a reckoning a force to be reckoned by the executive and you see throughout this particular party in power that that's what they removed they were like you know we got to get rid of parliament we got to make sure that the judicial branch right is fully bought off by this party so there's no one here at least in the structure of the state to compete against us so we can pass off decrees and distribute land and make other decisions without consulting anybody at all and this is what Piashtika has done concentrated the power in the executive and this is why they wanted to change the constitution if folks remember last year this was great mobilizations around protecting the constitution of 1987 because this was one of the clear gains of the revolution of 1986, right? And folks were like, you can't touch this. And if we choose to touch it, it has to be an actual, right, um, popular consensus, not something written by an officer of the Organization of American States, right? And which that constitution was doing exactly what I'm saying, wanting to concentrate even more all the powers of decision-making into the executive. And and so this is some of the stuff that you know at least I wanted to, to touch on, um, and I've gone on, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right there and give friends a chance. Yeah, yeah we're gonna come right to you, friends. Just wanna. Uh Say to our listeners, you're listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We're talking about the the crisis in Haiti. We are um, on the line with Mamira Prosper, professor of global and international studies at UC Irvine, as well as Franz Jerome, a longtime Haitian human rights activist living in Florida. Mamira, I'm actually, th- th- and Franz, thank you so much for connecting those dots because I, I, even for myself, I hadn't thought about the gangs as being an entity deployed by anyone, right? If you look at the media, it, it, they're sort of painting it as this this autonomous, uh, these autonomous organizations that are acting of their own volition. So I think connecting those dots are super important. Franz, I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, add to all of the the information that Mamira just um, laid out for for us, and and particularly maybe continuing to connect the dots between the U.S. desire to intervene and their relationships with these oligarchs in order to uh, make the grab for the precious resources that, that are in Haiti. And and um, I, I don't want to end this interview without talking about, right, that, that world powers have been in this process of continuously punishing, right, Haiti for being in a, a black country, uh, with the uh, uh, audacity to to assert its right to self-determination? Well, uh, first thing I would like to say is that Mamira did a beautiful job uh, laying uh, the full picture. Uh, Unfortunately, in this context, it's so much information and such crucial information sometimes can be lost in the shuffle. Um, I think that she has uh, covered every aspect of the current crisis in terms
terms of uh, the transformation of Haiti that some uh, global forces, uh, global business forces want to see take place. Uh, the fact that the way I put it uh, is uh, they went to Africa in the 13th, 14th century to bring slaves to Haiti. They didn't bring them to own the country. So they are recrafting, reshaping the Haitian population according to their objectives. Who is the day that I'm talking about? In 2004, there was a coup against uh, democracy, some will say. Jean-Bertrand Aristide, some others will say. But it was a coup to stop something very special that was taking place. There were less than 5,000 police officers in the country at the time. And Canada joined with some other countries, and they organized the coup because Canada, Canada's exploitation of gold in the north that was being exploited illegally was stopped by Jean-Bertrand Aristide, who told them, as president of the country, I must tell you to stop stealing the gold of Haitian people. Because the Haitian constitution that Mamira spoke about a few minutes ago is a very special constitution. It's one of the rare constitutions that say that anything that's underground belongs to the collectivity of the population. So every single one of the people who live on the surface of the uh, the, 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 the territory of Haiti are, are owners of that wealth. So, and the, 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 this constitution also prescribes of all that wealth is supposed to be exploited and concessions being given. Now, I will stop there because uh, there are some other aspects of the situation that are much more important because I could speak about Maslow's um, how do you say that security uh, uh, um, uh, pyramid etc etc to make people understand that it is in the context of middle class values however the crisis that we are facing has nothing to do with middle class values it is bestial blatant sheer uh, hatred attack on a population unleashed by those lusting for the wealth that's underground and for power. You have a situation where, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very emotional right now talking about this, but you have a situation where a political party was put at the helm of the country to destroy every single institution that would guarantee the participation of the population in their own, in the decision-making process. And they have succeeded about at doing that. I told you in 2004, the, 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 the government that the international community at the time, they call it core group in Haiti, that is Canada, the United States, France, and there were also some other countries like uh, uh, Salvador, that was there also at the Lake Mitch meeting in Canada in 2003. And there are also uh, 
international organizations like the EU and OAS that were all there, they had decided that this government wasn't democratic enough. It was running the country with 5,000 police officers, poorly armed police officers, poorly equipped. Sometimes they didn't have cars to go on a call. And there was peace. So $30 million were introduced and given to the opposition, and they created havoc. And today, that is the result of that interference. So now the same people who created the problem, and who, by the way, that's why I don't refuse to call it an intervention or an invasion, because they have been there all along since 2004. The same people right. who created the problem want to pretend that they are going to correct it. So they have never left. They have been there since 2004. So if you're there already, why are you going to pretend that you have to invade the country in order to have an intervention? No, you are the one propping the Piastika regime uh, into power. So all you have to do is remove your support from them and the people will do the rest. The people are very, very highly organized right now. And the political parties will know how to come to an agreement so that they can make a transition that will bring democracy back to Haiti. Thank, thank you, Franz. And, and, and yes, it, it is a lot of information, and that's, that's part of why I, I, I ask sort of the same question in a different way, because it, it's a lot for folks to, to put together so that we can get the correct analysis, particularly if they're not you know, steeped in, in, in the day-to-day -day and with the, the history of, of Haiti. And, and, and Mira, that, oh, oh, go ahead, Franz. Go ahead. And, and, that, and that's why I want to focus on the essential because it is imperative that people realize that it is the type of problem that Haitians have been facing for a long time. But they know how to deal with it. But this new version of it with the international, the core group, what they call the core group, the international NGOs and the international organizations wanting to substitute themselves to the state apparatus. It's a new version of the problem that requires a different type of a, a, a different approach. You have a situation where uh, a Peashtika has systematically reduced the Haitian uh, political problem in terms of uh, 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 blatant Hodosier uh, 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 terror uh, situation. They have reduced it to terror. They want to uh, beat the people into submission. That's the same thing that happened uh, uh, in, in, in Germany when they were uh, uh, forcing the populations, imposing the populations to submit to German uh, uh, rule. The same thing is happening in Haiti, beating the people into submission so that they can accept Piastika, a continuation of a Piastika regime. People in Haiti said, no, they will not accept that. And that's why the problem exists. It's not a, merely a problem where Haitian uh, political parties have to learn to speak to each other in a civil manner so that they can have an agreement, uh, an accord, as they say, etc., etc. So this is all for the, the, the media consumption. The, the reality is that you have gangs that are, have been unleashed 
on the people. The people are held hostage, hostage, and the more progressive uh, uh, politicians are told to stop resisting or else we're going to kill people and keep on killing people. The same thing that happened in, in, in 1994 when the Haitian army was holding the population hostage. Right. Well, and we know, right, ter terror is a, a primary tenet of disaster capitalism, uh, which is uh, U.S. imperialism through and through. Uh, Mamira, the, the, the Haitians on the ground, right, see this clearly as uh, uh, an opportunity, right, which is why they're in the streets and, and, and the intensified organizing, uh, an unprecedented opportunity given the level of, of crisis, um, uh, sorry, this is a, isn't a fully formed thought, but as I've been listening to you and Franz and I've been thinking about, so, so do the, the so-called world powers, right? They, they, they too see this level of crisis and destabilization as an opportunity um, to, to take control, to take full control of the, the Haitian government and the fact that there hasn't been an elected government since the assassination, well... I can't even call uh, Moise a, a legitimate president either, but we're in a particular moment. Yes, yeah, so if you could just comment on that and then give us your final thoughts about, about yeah, I mean, what's I happening and, and the next steps. Go for it. Yeah, it was great, a pleasure to have friends as my, my co, you know, interlocutor because I think he's really pointing to all the stuff that we want the audience to be left with, which I suppose is where the audience might be able to make their own mark, right? Because folks often ask, you know, how do we express solidarity? And, you know, some of us, you know, give different responses, but it's certainly that you need to organize in the belly of the beast, right, to blow up this system of inequality that exists here and that has extensions internationally, um, even if we take the case of our Haitians who are fighting for $15 U.S. per day, in factories making clothes for Gap, and then on the other end, you have folks working at Gap and other stores like that asking for $15, you know, per hour to think about the connections between these struggles and that underneath it all, right, is the international capitalist system that is propped up and held up by several world powers, including the United States, which is where listeners are located, and has to force us to ask some very hard questions about, you know, what's happening here in the center of the empire and how we can make changes here that affect, you know, the, the, the global system. So I wanted to, to bring it to that level for, for folks and to really highlight what France is saying about the United States and particularly in the 21st century using um, the apparatus of the United Nations, for example, and other international institutions that it put together, especially during the Cold War moment, that continue to operate right as proxy institutions for U.S. rule. So even though the U.S. is, you know, trying to outsource and had done, had done it in the case of 2004, you know, Brazil was happy and Chile to take on, right? Um, Mamir, I'm sorry, I just got to give you a 60-second warning. Oh, 60-second Oh, yeah, to tame, you yeah, know, the sorry, first sorry. black republic. I think, you know, there, there is a historical threat that Haiti poses, right? And that when people are rebelling in Haiti, 
shutting it down is also sending a message to the rest of us here, right, about what will happen if people dissent and people try to, um, you know, make democracy in the streets, as we saw here in 2020 in the United States, and everybody was told, file into, you know, uh, voting for Biden, right? So I think there are lessons to be learned um, from the Haitians today that um, we here in the United States need to, to start another wave of, like, massive protests as well, Um questioning the system that supports right international terror elsewhere just wanted to leave with that comment well we uh, you know commitment to this show just like i i made when we spoke last time when i was still on upfront we are going to be covering haiti regularly so look forward to having both you and franz on again very very soon thank you both for joining us this morning thank you, you. we have been speaking to Mamero prosper professor of global thank and you. international studies at uc irvine thank you to you both and franz jerome a longtime haitian human rights activist living in florida You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>